for listening, but please be skeptical about everything I say and look into things for yourself. If you find that I was wrong about something, the best thing you can do for me is to let me know. You can do that at livingthroughextinction at gmail.com. Please also be aware that I do cuss. It's just natural to me, and I don't bleep anything out. So listener discretion is advised. This is episode 82 of Living Through Extinction, a short-to-the-point podcast with science and skepticism, environment and wildlife, and stuff I find cool that I want to learn more about. Today's segments include Atheist Day, Scottish Islands Going Carbon Neutral by 2040, a first tool use among birds, maladaptive daydreaming, and a new fake skin for use in mosquito studies, which will hopefully eventually stop the need for human and mass animal testing. If you like what you hear and want to support the show, all the possible ways are listed after the final segment and thank yous. To those coming back, thank you so much for returning. If this is your first time listening to Living Through Extinction, welcome! I hope you find it both fun and informative. I missed Atheist Day on March 23rd, so I'm going to acknowledge it two weeks late as this episode comes out on April 6th. There is growing awareness of racism, sexism, and different religions not liking each other just because of their beliefs, but less awareness of the fact that there are people in every race, of every sex, from every belief system who hate people like me who just don't have the ability to believe in the supernatural. And not just hate. There are entire countries which would have me put to death for the simple fact that I don't lie. I don't pretend to believe in shit that I don't believe in. And for that alone, there are plenty of people, even right here in North America, who would love to see me burn alive, who would love to personally beat me to death. What a lovely thing to be aware of. I didn't even feel safe to be honest with my own family until I was a grown-ass adult. I didn't present up front as my complete and honest self until after my first kid was born. That's what changed everything for me. I knew what it was like to not be open and honest about my true self, and I did not want my kids to ever feel that they had to do that. So I became open and outspoken about my non-belief. And I can't even describe to you the feeling of reaching that point in life where the pretense is gone, and you just get to be you. The feeling of that, after spending almost 30 years allowing others to believe I was a believer, that was freeing. I had my realization in my single digit, so my entire childhood with my family was pretending to be a part of something when every action and word spoken in relationship to that something seemed ridiculous to me. That is not a fun existence for a child. At the time, I didn't want to not believe. My child brain thought that if I repeated stuff often enough, I would start to believe, so I started repeating to myself at night that there was a God and shit like that. Of course, it never worked. One cannot be honest with themselves and put something like that back in the box. I can't force myself to believe in a god any more than most of you could force yourselves to believe in the North Pole Santa Claus. Just try and make yourself believe something. You can't force these things. Our brains work how they work, and mine can't be convinced of the existence of a god. Period. That's it. That's the only thing that's different about me. I'm still a good person, a better person than many who do believe, that's for sure. But there are some people who will never be able to accept that fact. 
To them, it is absolutely impossible for anyone to be an atheist and not be raping, killing, and stealing through life. We are the epitome of evil to them. Just for being born with the brains we have. Just for being unconvinced. As a child, I thought I was the only one, as is the case with many like me who grew up in religious families. Somewhere between 11 and 13, I confessed to a few people, and one of them said the word to me, Oh, you're an atheist. I was stunned that there was a word for it, but to me that was a good thing. It meant that there had to be others like me, otherwise how would there be a term for it? That's how my mind worked at that time anyway. One of the best communities I found out there is the ACA, the Atheist Community of Austin. Yeah, believe it or not, one of the best atheist communities I've ever found is in Texas. They really do have some of the best shows. In honor of Atheist Day, I'm going to play one of their promo reels from a Sunday Atheist Experience show. No, I'm not affiliated with them or paid to advertise for them. I just think they put out great shows about important topics, and I'm happy to send anyone their way. So here is one of their Sunday promo reels that aired a couple of months ago, just to give you an idea. We have a lot of shows here at the Atheist Community of Austin. Uh, we talked about it, Atheist Experience, Talk, Heathen, the nonprofits, the most important one, Truth Wanted, and Secular Sexuality. And if you did not catch those shows last, uh, stay tuned. This is what you missed. Lubrication. We preach this a lot here. It's great. Use it. Lube is your friend. <laughs> How can I reason when an atheist believes they share a grandpa with a chimpanzee? I don't believe that. Nobody believes that. Pope's saying that homosexuality is not a crime. And I suppose we can call this a step in the right direction. I don't know if I should actually start singing step in the right direction. You threw me off by jumping into wild solipsism because that's not somewhere I was going to go into. (laughs) I'm constantly unconvinced about your existence, Richard. I don't know why. I'm sorry. Johnny, when you commit sin, don't you feel kind of bad? and kind of? I don't think I've ever committed a sin in my many years walking this earth. Have you ever looked at a woman with lust? Oh, yeah. And that's a preview of some of the shows put out by the atheist community of Austin. Check them out, and don't forget to be skeptical, damn it! Short one here, but it's good news. Six Scottish islands are scheduled to be carbon neutral by 2040. The Scottish government's Carbon Neutral Islands project announced that the first six will be Hoy Island, Great Cambrai, Ramsay, Barra, and Yell. They are going to be collaborating with the businesses and communities of each island to reach these goals. The full report and plans are supposed to come out this summer, so I may do an update at some point. It's always exciting when tool use is found in the animal kingdom in ways we don't expect. One quality of tool use that was always unique to chimpanzees, other than humans of course, was the ability to use multiple tools to perform a task and to come prepared with those tools. So it's clear that they're connecting the dots. They know that they need this, this, and that if they're going to accomplish this thing when they get there, so they gather all the items and bring them with. A second animal has now been shown to have this ability, and it's surprisingly not a primate. Goffin's cockatoos are small white parrots from Indonesia, and it was noticed that they showed signs of tool use, so of course studies had to be done. When cashews are put in tricky places and shaped wooden rock pieces are put nearby, the cockatoo will use the wooden rock pieces as tools to get at the cashew and get inside. 
The main question became, do they understand that all are required for this task, or are they just seeking out something each time a need arises? So, picture a cashew in a box behind a transparent cover. To get into the box, a short pointed stick was available to puncture the cover. Then, a longer straw had to be used to retrieve the nut. Seven out of the ten birds figured out how to get the nut. So those seven were tested again, but with a change. The nut box, <laughs> nut box, sorry. The nut box with the cashew in it was raised to a higher position, but the tools were left lower down. And sure enough, four of the birds quickly learned to take both tools up on the first trip in order to get at that cashew. This makes the Goffin's cockatoo the second non-human animal after the chimpanzee to prepare and use multiple tools to perform a single task. That's pretty fucking cool. So, I really came after myself with this one. I always kind of knew that there was something not quite normal about the way I fall into daydreams, and especially how when I was a kid those daydreams could devolve into scary and or sad things that could actually have me crying in real life. It's one of many strange things about myself that I've never really told anyone about. Nobody would have understood back then. I would have just been looked at strangely and dismissed. The weird kid, right? I was already considered weird enough and already hiding my non-belief and I had no desire to share this thing that would just make me even weirder. Today, as an adult, I really don't give a shit. I'm severely abnormal in a ridiculous number of ways. Whether or not people around me are okay with that is on them. I embrace my weird. While I don't experience negative daydreaming or unguided, uncontrolled daydreaming the way I did as a child, I acknowledge that I may still be a bit abnormal when it comes to daydreaming. A little bit. If I'm alone and not interacting with anyone, I can fall into a daydream at any time. That's true. But I don't believe it's ever affected my day-to-day -day life or my work. Except maybe for those very rare periods where I can easily spend hours in bed lost in a daydream. But that's not something that's very common with me anymore. Like, really rare. Am I sounding defensive? No more of that. So, I'm online reading articles for possible show subjects and scroll by two words that for some reason stand right the fuck out to me. I stop scrolling and scroll back up to look at these two words. And it was like they slapped me in the face. My first thought was, well, I guess I know what my next episode is going to be. And my second thought was, holy fuck, what am I going to learn about myself if I go down this road? Is this going to be yet another quirk of mine that turns out to be associated with some sort of mental disorder? Quirk sounds cuter than disorder, right? They're not serious disorders. They're cute quirks, damn it. Okay, that's probably not true. It's kind of disheartening as I research and learn more about these things, how many things I've always just thought of as harmless quirks that do in fact turn out to be symptoms associated with one disorder or another. But I can't unsee this term. Obviously, now that I knew the thing existed, I had to learn as much about it as possible. So now if you're listening, you're going to learn too about maladaptive daydreamers. Somehow that wording makes me feel super judged, but I have to say it a lot today, so I better get used to it. Maladaptive daydreaming, also known as daydreaming disorder, is a term that's only been around since 2002, and I found it defined as a dysfunctional form of imaginative involvement. It is a form of behavioral addiction, sharing features with other behavioral addictions, such as internet gaming. A behavioral addiction is something that, when done, is so rewarding to the happy parts of the brain that the person experiencing it will want it again and have strong yearnings for it when they must go without. Everyone daydreams. There's nothing unusual about that. We all get lost in thought every once in a while. Everyone's mind wanders here and there. 
But what maladaptive daydreamers experience is different from these little lost-in-thought moments. While mind-wandering tends to be spontaneous and relate to one's day-to-day life, people with MD have very vivid, structured, intentional narratives and many OCD-like tendencies around them. I saw it mentioned in several places that it is usually a coping mechanism for other mental health conditions or circumstances. It's also not uncommon for people who experience it to have a history of childhood trauma. While there is little research on it at this time, it appears it always accompanies some other anxiety-related disorder. Maladaptive daydreaming has been described in people with disassociative disorder, disturbance of attention, obsessive-compulsive spectrum disorder, and a variety of behavioral addictions. It occurs in 2.5% of adults and 4.3% of young adults, but the rate for adults with ADHD is much higher. 20% of adults with ADHD experience episodes of maladaptive daydreaming. So one-fifth of that demographic. That's a pretty big number. It's also common in people with anxiety disorders and certain types of depression. Despite all this overlap with other mental health and neurological conditions, apparently evidence has shown that maladaptive daydreaming is different from them and should be declared as a separate disorder. I imagine some of this is going to sound very unusual to the average neurotypical individual. A maladaptive daydreamer might become uncontrollably absorbed, losing themselves completely in a complex daydream. Someone with MD may spend an excessive amount of time in a single progressing daydream. Without meaning to, they may act out or even speak dialogue from their daydream. This can be talking, whispering, facial expressions, or repetitive body movements. And they might stay happily in their world of imagination for hours at a time. What they experience is very high in intensity and complexity. Their daydreams are vivid. They are detailed. There are settings, story, plots, sometimes even elaborate plots. The duration and frequency can reach a point where it's interfering with day-to-day life. And there is often intent. While it often can just happen without warning, people who are maladaptive daydreamers can and do start daydreaming intentionally, setting aside time for it or going to bed early so they can get some daydreaming in before they fall asleep. For those with severe, life-interrupting forms of MD, there are many potential issues. The following are only experienced by those with extreme symptoms, those who score on the highest end of the test I took. Oh, by the way, I took a test. I'll get to that later. Those with the most severe MD can sometimes be triggered into a daydream with a song, a touch, a smell, a picture, a story topic. There's so many possible triggers. These individuals may actually stop engaging with a task they were just performing or even a person right there in front of them when triggered. Some may prefer their internal life, feeling safer and happier there and become socially withdrawn, neglecting the real people who are there every day. For some, it will disrupt their work, their relationships, even their hobbies. For some, the daydreams begin to feel more rewarding to those important parts of the brain than time spent with real people and social activities dwindle and or stop. There can also be feelings of shame and guilt, maybe about the content of the daydreams, maybe about the time being spent on daydreaming that could be spent elsewhere. As a relatively newly discovered disorder, it's not being recognized by all healthcare professionals yet, which is very unfortunate because some people are being dismissed when they bring it up. And as has come up on many occasions in the past on this show, we know that when patients are dismissed by their healthcare providers, they are less likely to seek help in the future when they need it, which is a bad thing. Treatment is more about understanding it. Through mental health and cognitive therapies, people can learn to understand why they do it and what they can do to maybe manage it. Though for many, it's treated automatically, along with other mental ailments they get treated for. So someone may go on medication for the anxiety, 
and their MD will also slow and or stop. Everyone is different, so these things are best discussed with health professionals. If you think you may benefit from being diagnosed, ask your health professional if they are familiar with maladaptive daydreaming. Ask if they can refer you to someone who can screen you for things such as ADHD, OCD, anxiety, or depression. Now, after all this, am I a maladaptive daydreamer? I always had the ability to curl up and lose myself in a good daydream. As a child, they were more adventurous. As an adult, they sometimes lean more erotic. I'm certain I've never fallen into a daydream when there were actual people around me, though. So, I found a test. 16 questions to ask possible maladaptive daydreamers to determine if they are at a clinical level where they should consider mentioning it to their healthcare providers. These are the questions, and the choices are 0 to 100% in 10% increments. I expected I'd be pretty low on the scale. For me, it comes and goes, though, so I answered the questions as though it were a specific period of time when I was experiencing what some may consider an abnormal amount of daydreaming. I'll share my final score at the end here, but... Full disclosure, my answers were not zero on 15 of these questions. That alone is kind of embarrassing, but whatever. Okay, questions. Some people notice that certain music can trigger their daydreaming. To what extent does music activate your daydreaming? Some people feel a need to continue a daydream that was interrupted by a real-world event at a later point. When a real-world event has interrupted one of your daydreams, how strong was your need or urge to return to that daydream as soon as possible? How often are your current daydreams accompanied by vocal noises or facial expressions, like laughing, talking, or mouthing the words? If you go through a period of time when you are not able to daydream as much as usual due to real-world obligations, how distressed are you by your inability to find time to daydream? Some people have the experience of their daydreaming interfering with their daily chores or tasks. How much does your daydreaming interfere with your ability to get basic chores accomplished? Some people feel distressed or concerned about the amount of time they spend daydreaming. How distressed do you currently feel about the amount of time you spend daydreaming? When you know you have something important or challenging to pay attention to or finish, how difficult is it for you to stay on task and complete the goal without daydreaming? Some people have the experience of their daydreaming hindering the things that are most important to them. How much do you feel that your daydreaming activities interfere with achieving your overall life goals? Some people experience difficulties in controlling or limiting their daydreaming. How difficult has it been for you to keep your daydreaming under control? Some people feel annoyed when a real-world event interrupts one of their daydreams. When the real world interrupts one of your daydreams, on average, how annoyed do you feel? Some people have the experience of their daydreaming interfering with their academic or occupational success or personal achievements. How much does your daydreaming interfere with your academic or occupational success? Some people would rather daydream than do most other things. To what extent would you rather daydream than engage with other people or participate in social activities or hobbies? When you first wake up in the morning, how strong has your urge been to immediately start daydreaming? How often are your current daydreams accompanied by physical activity such as pacing or the swinging or shaking of your hands? Some people love to daydream. While you are daydreaming, to what extent do you find it comforting or enjoyable? Some people find it hard to maintain their daydreaming when they are not listening to music. To what extent is your daydreaming dependent on continued listening to music? So, my answers ranged from 10 to 80% on all but one question for which I had zero. I calculated my average. A 40 or higher is what's looked for to determine if the issue is clinical and if help maybe should be sought. I got a 39.38, so not clinical. That one question I answered zero on is the only thing that kept me below the 40 mark. 
So as with a lot of my quirks, I still want to call them quirks. As with a lot of them, I am on the spectrum, but in a somewhat low place where it's not actively doing me harm. It just makes me a little more weird, and I'm okay with that. So this is definitely a positive. You know how on insect repellent commercials you see a person stick their bare arm into a box full of mosquitoes? Up to now, that's pretty much how testing was done, either on people or large amounts of animals. And while this is working, it's uncomfortable for the participant, and it does not allow for close study of the insects and their habits. Learning about mosquitoes is kind of a big deal because of their contribution to the spread of disease. They are not just annoying, they're actually considered one of the most dangerous animals in the world because of disease. According to the World Health Organization, about 725,000 deaths per year can be attributed to mosquitoes. Bioengineers at Rice University have developed a product called Hydrogel, along with some machine learning software for analyzing the video of the feeding for more intense study. A 3D printer is used to create them. A vessel of blood flows under a small square of a clear synthetic skin. The skin is soft and porous, and mosquitoes are able to smell the blood on the other side. Small heaters are underneath the Hydrogel to keep it at a steady body temperature. And it works! The mosquitoes are attracted to feed on the Hydrogel patches. Using the hydrogels, they have shown that DEET and plant-based repellents made from lemon eucalyptus oils are effective at repelling the mosquitoes and that the mosquitoes are attracted to those without the repellent. So, definitely working. This could eliminate the need for human and animal testing going forward, which is definitely a positive. But it's also ideal for providing a consistent, controlled setting for observation. Feeding patterns are being studied in a way that we were never able to do before. This is a big deal as well. The product is currently being used at Tulane University's School of Public Health and Tropical Medicine to study these things. The goal of the research is to prevent the spread of disease and to get the costs down to the point where it can be an efficient system for testing repellents. The research so far has been published in Frontiers of Bioengineering. notes are all on the floor, so that's it for me for two weeks. Unless you subscribe to the YouTube, where I'm putting out very short weekly videos. Thank you for listening. May your health and sanity continue to be replenished daily. My eternal gratitude goes out to the following people. Jason Martin for helping me get started on this project more than three years ago. I wouldn't be doing this right now if not for him. Kathy Rayner for her musical contribution on the violin. Paul Palmer for his musical contribution on the guitar. He can be found at WPG Suitcase Drummer on Instagram. Dustin Harder for composing and recording the intro and outro for the show. You can find him on Instagram at Prairie Soul Music. And finally, thank you to my family who puts up with me hiding in my bedroom, reading articles, and making notes for hours at a time so I can actually do this podcast thing because I really do love it. I hope you will choose to join me again in two weeks for episode 83 of Living Through Extinction. If you enjoy Living Through Extinction and would like to support the show, the best ways to do so are to subscribe and rate and to comment and like positive comments on your favorite podcast player. Or you can help out by following, liking, and sharing on all the social medias. The show can be found under Living Through Extinction on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and TikTok, and under LTE Pod on Twitter and Hive. There's also a Patreon at patreon.com slash livingthroughextinction. There you can earn stickers, pins, masks, and more, as well as help me to plant some trees. If you have any comments, corrections, questions, or suggestions, please email them to livingthroughextinction at gmail.com or message me through one of the social medias.